Good morning, everyone. Good to see each one of you here. Why don't we stand for a word of prayer before we begin? Father, we come before you now this morning here at the opening of service, Lord, just asking for your blessing to be upon us, Lord. We want to hear from you. We want to our hearts to be touched and blessed this morning, Father. So we just ask for your presence to be here with us. Pray that you would give me the words to speak, Lord, and give me clarity of thought. Just ask for your blessing and mercy upon us this service this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So this morning, I would like to draw some lessons from the story of the Israelites when they were entering into the land of Canaan, right after their um, time in the wilderness when they first came into the land of Canaan. So for a text, I'm going to be reading in Joshua and uh, chapter 11, Joshua, through Judges chapter 3. I'm not actually going to read that all, but quite a bit of material I'd like to cover. So I'm just going to try to skip through and give us a good overview of the sequence of events here, sort of in chronological order. And so hopefully you can follow along and um, be able to pick out some of these details here. So there's just a couple of verses first in Joshua chapter one, uh, 11, sorry, verse 18. This is um, right soon after they have um, come into the land. I'm not sure how much time had passed. And we see in Joshua chapter 11, verse 18, that Joshua made war a long time with those kings that it had previously listed. And there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibbon, all others they took in battle. For the Lord, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. So we see that, you know, there, this is... After they've come into land, they're fighting against the kings and destroying them. And so we're going to skip ahead. And again, I don't know how much time this is passing here. But in Joshua chapter 13 now, we read that Joshua, in, chapter, in verse 1, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. And then he goes on to um, list some of the land that they have yet to possess. And we're going to move forward a little bit more in time. As you can see, I'm skipping a lot of details here. And it lists various people and we see in chapter 14, we have the account of um, Caleb when he, was, when he says, Give me this mountain. And he said he was 45 years 
earlier when they had first um, spied out the land. So we know there's at least probably five years maybe that they've been at war here conquering the land of Canaan after they've come in. So let's move ahead a little further now to Joshua chapter 17. Reading in verse 12. First, chapter 17, verse 12. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxed and strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. The children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I'm a great people, forasmuch as the Lord has blessed me hitherto? And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut it down for thyself in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if the Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites that dwell in the valley, in the land of the valley, have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bethshan and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountains shall be thine, for it is a wood. Thou shalt cut it down. And the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, for though they, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. And then, continuing in chapter 18, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh, and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which has not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? So as I'm sort of following through the sequence, I'm seeing they've been here for a number of years. It's hard to tell how long, but we know at least five, probably seven years, you would think. And there's still much land they have not taken yet. And it's sort of, you get the picture of them all kind of crowded in one area. And we know this sort of bothers them because the children of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh, um, they had an issue. They didn't have enough room. And Joshua says, well, look, here's the whole wood country. Go cut it down for yourself. It's there for the taking. And it seemed like they were concerned about the Canaanites in the valley that had chariots of iron. And maybe they were a little afraid to go uh, fight against them. But we can, it said that it could not drive, the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. So it seems a little strange maybe that they've been fighting for all these years, but there's just a few people that are still there um, holding them back. And then where we read in 18, it seems like um, Joshua is sort of, I don't know, chiding them. It's like, how long is it going to take you to possess the land? 
giving them some encouragement. So then it seems like you could say they had a little bit of a revival, a renewed vision here. And Joshua sends them out, um, two people, I think, to, of every tribe or something like that. And they went out to scout out the land that was yet to take and to see they were going to divide it by lots so that each remaining tribe of the seven could have a lot. So now we're going to skip through some of that over to um, chapter 19, verse 47, just one verse, as they've fought with various people and they're spreading out now and they're taking over some of these lands. And we see that the children of Dan had sort of the same issue that the children of Joseph had, and the coast of the children of Dan went out too little for them. Therefore the children of Dan went up to fight against Lashem and took it and smote it with the edge of the sword and possessed it, and dwelt therein, and called Lation Dan, after the name of Dan, their father. So it looks like Dan is showing them how it should be done. When they need more land, they went out and took it. Then in the end of chapter 19, verse 51, we see that so they made an end of dividing the country. So everyone had their place now. Then chapter 20, we see them setting up the cities of refuge. And we're going to go over to chapter 21, verse 43. And the Lord gave Israel all the land which he sware unto them, unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about, according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of the good thing which the Lord had spoken to them unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. So finally, after all these years... Um, they have set up here and they've conquered the land. Not one thing that the Lord had promised them failed. So then in chapter 22, Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, this is chapter 22, verse 1, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all things that I have commanded you. And have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Now the Lord your God hath given rest unto you, brethren, as he promised them. Now therefore we return ye, and get into your tents, and unto the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of Jordan. So if I remember right, they'd make, made this deal way earlier on with um, the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh that they were going to live on the other side of Jordan as long as they helped their brethren take over Canaan land. Then Joshua has an admonition for them here. It says, take heed to do the commandment in verse 5 of chapter 22, but take heed and to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God 
and to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, and to cleave unto him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them on the way, and they went into their tents. So I maybe should have said the title of this meditation before, but the title is Winning the Battle But Losing the War. I really like these, this admonition I just read where Joshua um, gave, told them to take diligent heed to the commandment, and then he lists out a whole list of things he wanted them to do. Very powerful verse there. Now we'll come back to that later. <clears throat> and then, so I get the picture of these children of Israel. They're in the land of Canaan. They're finally at peace. God has given them rest, round about it said. And after 40 plus years, maybe 10 years, you could say, of taking over the land, it's kind of hard to estimate how long it took them. They were finally at rest and had conquered. And you can see a little later here in 22, they were very jealous, zealous for the Lord and for following his commandments. Because we had Joshua just bless these um, three tribes that went across Jordan. And just a couple verses later, um, down in verse 11 of chapter 22, when these tribes got to the edge of Jordan, they set up an altar there. And the children of Israel heard say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan in the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. So this, this gives you a very good picture of the zeal they had for the... Um, for the Lord. And it goes into a long count how when they came up to these three tribes and they dialogued with them and then they discovered, well, it wasn't what they thought it was. They were setting up a memorial between them and the tribes on the other side of the river. But just seeing that zeal for them to make sure that there was nothing, nobody was strained. And the whole congregation um, gathered together to go at war to make sure that this thing was set right. And then, yeah, ended up being a misunderstanding there, more or less. So we're skipping over now to chapter 23. And we'll start in verse 1. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto children, unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all the Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for the judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. 
for the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even to the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them out from your sight, and ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised. Be therefore very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside from the left, from to the right hand nor to the left. Ye come not among these nations that remain among you, neither make mention of their name, of the name of their gods, neither cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. From the for the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, but as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he has promised you. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God, else if ye do any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and shall go into them, and they unto you. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. And behold, I, and behold this day I am going the way of all the earth, and you know that in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. So we see Joshua clearly reminding them, and it seems clear at this time there's still some nations that were dwelling among them, and Joshua is giving a clear warning of what would happen if they mingled with them. It says there would be scourges and sna- traps unto you. There would be snares and traps and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes. And he reminds them, God has never failed them. So Joshua gathers all the tribes of Israel and then he gives, he talks to them more as we are very familiar probably with this next passage. Um, Joshua gives a history of them, their journey out of Israel, out of Egypt, and says in verse 24, Choose you this day whom you will serve. In verse 24, uh, chapter 24, verse 21, we see the people respond. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, he said, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and inclined your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So we can see they're renewing their commitments, you would say. Joshua is growing to, getting to the end of his life and telling them of all the land yet to possess. 
they are still going to serve the Lord. They're choosing God. <clears throat> and then we read in chapter uh, chapter 24, verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And then in verse 31, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. So there, there's a good overview of the children of Israel at the time they came into the um, land of Canaan. So now, time for part two. I hope they don't run out of time here. So now here in Judges, and even I've hinted at it a few times over what we went over, we see that something else was happening. Even while they were winning these great victories and had God fighting for them, there were still people living among them, these nations, that they allowed to exist there. In Judges chapter 1, verse 27, and following, we'll see this very clearly. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshan and her towns, nor Tanak and all her towns, and I'll skip over all those towns there, but Canaanites would dwell in that land. Verse 28, And it came to pass, when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, and did not utterly drive them out. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites to dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of some other town. But the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants. And names from there, but the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. And it lists him there. But he dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of the Shemeth became, and other place became tributaries unto them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down into the valley. But the Amorites would dwell in the Mount Heras and a couple other places, yet in the land of the house of Joseph prevailed so that they became tributaries. And I thought it was interesting where it talks about the children of Dan being forced onto the mountain because if you remember earlier, we read about the children of Dan going out and conquering more land when it felt a little tight for them. Now here they're being forced up on top of a mountain. But we see very clearly they had left quite a few people living among them. And But it seems like as Israel was getting strong, even though this enemy was still living among them and causing them some space issues here and there, 
um, they're still much stronger than their enemy, and so they're forcing them to pay tribute. So you could say they sort of have a good, good situation going there, where these people are still subject to them, even though they're living there. So you might say they, you know, they overall they're still in control of the land. So then we will read in chapter two, verse one. And I will say this, this um, order of events is a little confusing because it almost looks like Joshua dies again. But imagine it's just re went back in time a little bit here. Um, so in chapter 2, verse 1, And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Boshim and said, I made you go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said... I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before thee, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And then we'll jump down to verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders did outlive Joshua, who had seen the great works, all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, being a servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance. And skip down to verse 10, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there rose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor the, yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, the gods of the people <clears throat> that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll keep reading a few more verses. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about them, so they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. So this is kind of a, a very um, sobering, shocking account here of how in a single generation they completely fell, fell away. And we're like, how is it even possible? So as I was reading over this, I felt like a big part of it was those nations they <clears throat> left live among them. And we see later in chapter 3 that two of those nations it lists as the Philistines and the Amorites. And we know those were major nations they faced issues with down the road like in David's day. 
So these were letting those nations live among them cause them serious problems. So what can we learn from this? I had a few things that I thought of. We can never stop fighting. When the battle is long and hard, it seems like one thing that's easy to let happen. Say we have a major thing we're trying to defeat in our life. Maybe we've fought it for years. And when we finally win, it is so easy to feel like we have arrived. And the war is over, and we are at rest. Like I said, <clears throat> said um, we read it back in Joshua where it said they were at rest from all the enemies around them. And when we finally win that in our lives, we feel like nothing else could be that hard. You know, you finally have, finally have conquered. And then it seems like all those little things that seem so insignificant in the heat of the battle can rise up and completely overtake us. In Ecclesiastes it says, there is no discharge in this war, the war of life. But we can win if we just keep on fighting with God on our side. Don't let today's victory make you complacent in tomorrow's fight. And I can speak from experience. So, like Israel, are we winning the battles but losing the war? I'm going to go back to Joshua chapter 22 now. And just look briefly again at these verses that I feel are a key to our success. Joshua 22 verse 5 and we could probably say that if they had followed this they would have probably not fallen away Joshua says take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses the servant of the Lord charged you and to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul And this is like a going all in sort of thing. Not leaving any part behind. You may have heard the analogy of um, the chicken and the pig for breakfast. And the chicken lays his eggs every day for breakfast. And so you could say the chicken participated in the breakfast. But the pig went all in. He was committed. He had the sausage and the bacon. So maybe we need to be not so much like the chicken and doing our maybe we just do our part and our good deeds every day, but maybe we need to be more like the pig and go all in. And serve him with all our heart and with all our soul.
and don't ever stop fighting. So I'll leave with you, leave you with that.